welcome back to the Let's Call It Nothing podcast, where we discuss all things fangirl. This season, we are talking about the Wolves of Mercy Fall series by Maggie Stiefvater, aka the Shiver series, as we like to call it. Mm-hmm. And today, super special because we are wrapping up the first book in the series, Shiver. And y'all, I'm going to try not to cry. Yeah. I don't think I will. Um. I'm going to hold it together. But I got to say, while reading it, the eyes were watering. So our last episode ended with Sam, our wolf boy, who was human and was in this relationship with Grace, human girl. Sam shifted into a wolf. And we think he's going to be a wolf for forever. That's kind of what's implied throughout Mm -hmm. the book. So it was big sad. Yeah, it's super sad. Yep. Tragic love story, Mm y'all. All right. So we're starting off with chapter 54 which is in grace's point of view and it's 32 degrees fahrenheit not celsius fahrenheit i'm sorry guys you're so good at this (laughs) the chemist we deal with celsius okay (laughs) when the paramedics arrived i was curled on the passenger seat in a pile of coats my hands pressed against my face miss are you all right i didn't answer just put my hands on my lap and looked at my fingers covered with bloody tears miss are you alone i nodded where's the blood coming from they're in a wreck so she like hit her head or something? Yeah. Probably. It just wasn't mentioned in the other time. Yeah. So, oh my gosh. Grace, where, miss, are you alone? Yes. She's like, yes. She's like, my boyfriend wolfed out and left because obviously. Yeah. She's like, better. that's it. He's gone. So she's all alone now. I just, you know, picture Princess Diaries, her laying in the car. Oh, yeah. Doesn't start, it's raining. Catch a falling star and put it in your pocket. <laughs> That's what I do for comedic relief. I picture my um, early 2000s movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> All the references. <laughs> All of them. So next we have chapter 55, which is Sam's point of view. And it's still 32 degrees Fahrenheit. So, of course, this is this his wolf mind. I watched her like I'd always watched her. Thoughts were sli- slippery and transient. Faint scents on a frigid wind too far away to catch. She sat just outside the wood near the swing, curled small until the cold shook her and she still didn't move. For a long time, I didn't know what she was doing. I watched her. Part of me wanted to go to her, though instinct sang against it. The desire sparked a thought which sparked a memory of golden woods, days floating around me and falling around me, days lying still and crumpled on the ground. But I realized then what she was doing, folded there, trembling with the vicious cold. She was waiting, waiting for the cold to shake her into another form. Maybe that unfamiliar scent I caught from her was hope. She waited to change, and I waited to change, and we both wanted what we couldn't have. Finally, night crept across the yard, lengthening the shadows, pulling them out of the woods until they till they covered the whole world i watched her the door opened i shrank farther into the dark a man came out pulled the girl from the ground the light from the house glistened off the frozen tracks on her face i watched her thoughts distant fled with her absence after she disappeared into the house there was only this longing i'm holding it together i promise it's a lot so she is sitting out there supposedly waiting for the cold to get to her and for her to shift so that she Mm -hmm. can be able and be with the love of her teenagehood and he's waiting to become human again they want what they can't have at the moment yeah so sad really is (laughs) i always say can you imagine but i don't want to imagine you're like not in this scenario no I know I said it in an earlier episode, but Maggie Stiefvater said she made this book specifically to make people cry. And Good riddance. Good job. I mean, good riddance. <laughs> Dang it, Maggie. 
<laughs> but it's it does it is the biggest like emotional just investment because I mean you spent how far like how many pages are we into this book um, 344 so we've spent Three, 344 yeah, getting attached to these characters and now they're apart and there's little to no hope yeah um and so many different like romance stories like it's like the third act breakup like, oh yeah the characters have to have something come in between them and everything but in this case like at this point you don't think there's any going back like reading this you're like this is how it's going to be obviously there's two other books in the series so mm-hmm. we know something happens and there's like you know it's still a good yeah yeah, this yeah. Book, something's going to happen obviously but at this point like you're like how in the world can this be fixed because I feel like in other books especially with miscommunication is the reasoning for them not being together anymore you're like this could easily be fixed if mm-hmm. you two who are able to can talk it out like it can be fixed i mean take the time to heal whatever do what you need to do um if you break up because you just need to do your own thing for a little bit or it's just not best like the relationship's too toxic like do that heal and then have that communication they can't communicate with each other because they are two separate beings like species yeah and it's so sad chapter 56 is from grace's point of view it is 34 degrees fahrenheit i'm gonna read a little bit from it and then also just discuss it there are Howls were the hardest thing to bear. As terrible as the days were, the nights were worse. Days were just listless preparations to somehow make it through another night populated by their voices. So she has to spend every night hearing these wolf howls and just knowing that she's not with them. And she can pick out Sam's howl. It goes on to say, the night that I heard him howl was the worst. The others began first like they had the last three nights. I sank down into the leather chair in Dad's study, buried my face in the last Sam-scented t-shirt of his I had, and pretended that it was just a recording of the wolves, not real wolves, not real people. And then for the first time since the crash, I heard his howl join in with them. It tore my heart out because I heard his voice. The wolves sang slowly behind him, bittersweet harmony, but all I heard was Sam. His howl trembled, rose, fell in anguish. So she's sitting there, she's listening, and then when it stops and he falls silent, she really can't deal with it. And she ends up taking the guitar that Sam had played. She screams and she smashes it into pieces, which we all cope in different ways. Honestly, same. She knows there's no, like, fixing it at this point. Yeah. Like, this is how it is. And I gotta say, her parents, where are they at? I don't know. They're like, our daughter is now depressed. She's crying. They probably haven't even noticed. Probably not. Mm -hmm. Even as she's, like, curled up in her dad's office all the time. It's so sad. It's super sad. I mean, you think of, um, I keep on coming back to it, but, like, losing someone in any way and knowing that, like, Maybe you won't get to talk to them ever again. Or, Mm -hmm. I I mean, I don't want to get into that because that will make me really sad. But just holding on to any piece of them you can. And then you go through those stages of grief. Mm -hmm. And that's what Grace is going through right now. Chapter 57 is from Grace's point of view. And it is... 35 degrees Fahrenheit. Olivia calls Grace and Grace tells her to come stay with her because she's been bitten and she's infected and she doesn't want to change and she doesn't know any of that. 
Beck calls and asks if she could take care of Jack because he is about to turn soon. And Grace asks if she could come over before he turns, and he agrees. She wants to talk to him about Sam. At this point, Isabel calls her and tells her they found another case, meningitis. Back up a little bit, the stuff with Olivia. Grace has had time on her hands now to care about her friends, I guess. <laughs> Sadly yeah. enough, that's what it's yeah. come to. Um, and she's tried contacting Olivia and everything, but it hasn't really been working out until this point in time. Mm-hmm. And like at this point, Grace is educated on the wolf stuff. Yeah. So she feels like she can help. So that's one of the reasons I think like she and Olivia are kind of coming back together. And then the whole thing, Beck knows that he's going to change soon. So he's like, can you take care of Jack? I, I know he's pretty aggressive, but like, it's okay. He's in the basement playing video games. Like, it's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, yeah, um, the meningitis, which gets into what we're about to get into. Chapter 58 is from Grace's perspective. It is 42 degrees Fahrenheit. Being in Beck's basement made me both the happiest and the saddest I'd felt since Sam had changed into a wolf. Because seeing Beck there in his own world was like seeing Sam again. When Olivia and Grace arrived, she is ambushed by the fact that Beck has gotten... No. No. (laughs) Sam had gotten many mannerisms from Beck. Sorry, guys. When Olivia and Grace arrive, Grace is ambushed by the fact that Sam had gotten so many mannerisms from Beck because Beck raised Sam. Yeah. And I think um, her saying seeing Beck was like seeing Sam again. That's Sam's dad. Mm -hmm. Sam's gotten so much from him. Like, it just kind of hits you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, going through a loss and everything, seeing someone who knew that person, too, Mm -hmm. or who's related to that person who looks like that person, I'm sure is terribly hard. Yeah. So, Olivia is throwing up in the bathroom because of the change. The change. We mean (laughs) the wolfy stuff, obviously. So everyone else goes downstairs. Isabel wants to go see Jack while Grace and Beck sit down to talk. So Jack is just, he moved from the bathroom to the basement because he was like being okay. And I was just sitting there playing video games. Like... I find that hilarious. So Beck tells Grace about where he came from and how he was bitten and his whole story. Um, And I don't know if we mentioned before that, okay, first off, Beck is 50. He's had a whole life. He's been a werewolf for like 20 years, which is wild because that's 20 years, Mm -hmm. whereas Sam had only been one for 11 years. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very strange. But Beck had a wife who was terminally ill. Mm -hmm. So he first off knows what loss is, but she knew about him being a werewolf and that was kind of the only circumstance that Sam could relate to when telling Grace. And he was like, well, Beck did tell his wife. So, like, we have told humans before about us. It's really frowned upon, but we've done it before. Mm-hmm. So, Grace starts telling Beck about this working theory that Sam, her, and Isabel had going on about a fever being the cure and all the stuff about the meningitis. She says that she wants to try and cure Sam. But Beck thinks it might be too late for him. Grace, though, she argues that he has changed back twice and he wasn't supposed to. So whenever she was pulled from the swing as a kid, mm-hmm. and he ended up changing and carrying her. And then when he got shot, obviously, and she's like, but it's happened before. He can still do it. And Beck's like, oh. 
um, we'll see. So he goes with it because Grace is very convincing and he's like, why not? This yeah. is my kid. I want what's best for him. So he's like, I'll put some Benadryl on a hamburger meat and uh, make him come along and then he'll go to sleep and we can take him to go to get this blood that Isabel has kind of set up at this point. Yeah, mm-hmm. she she found the, the meningitis patient and drew blood for him, from him because she like pretended to be a nurse and everything. Mm-hmm. And that's how she got the blood and she's like, okay, we can cure potentially my brother, of course, Olivia and Sam. And Grace is like, okay, let's do it. Isabel, how she managed that, Isabel's mom runs a clinic. Yeah. And she's a doctor there. So it's not like crazy mm-hmm. out of the way. This random high schooler is pretending to be a nurse at some random mm-hmm. place. One little quote that Beck says about Sam. It's hell for him. I made a personal hell for him. He needs that sort of self-awareness to feel alive and when he loses that and becomes a wolf it's hell he is absolutely the best person I've ever met in the world and I absolutely ruined him I have regretted it every day for years Beck had like followed Sam in a way before Mm -hmm. Sam was ever turned yeah he was like this kid you know his parents don't really care about him and like I need some young blood this looks like a good kid he wanted a kid yeah him and his wife wanted a kid and he saw Sam as that opportunity yeah not like he was trying to kidnap him in a way i i don't think that Mm -hmm. might be where we were going with this and he also kind of says that he targeted him out because of how his parents were yeah that didn't deserve him and it's kind of crazy how he knew that or why he knew that because they hadn't done anything malicious that we know of up to this point against Mm -hmm. their son that we know of. Yeah. Sam was like, they were good parents until I turned into a wolf and they decided to. That's also him still trying to remember what happened when he was a kid. So that's yeah, like. Yeah. There's yeah. probably a lot more suppressed memories. I don't know. And then, of course, Grace is like, no, he loves you. So uh, later on, let's see. Beck puts the Benadryl in the hamburger meat. So it says, he stopped, put his hand on my shoulder. This is Grace talking. His voice was so kind. I thought I would cry. It might work, Grace. It might work. I could see that he didn't believe me but I saw too that he wanted this too for right now that was enough Uh, Beck just wants what's best for his kiddo he did some shady yeah he really did this one of those situations where like I kind of I don't want to see it this way I don't want to see it this way but you know parents that you know have like kidnapped kids Mm-hmm. because they think I can give them a better life. These really like kind of mentally unstable people mm-hmm. and they give the kids really great lives. Mm-hmm. They give them everything they need. They may give them a better life than the bi- biological parents or the given parents, but is it right? No. no. I feel like he was that type just for but it was because he was dealing with stuff. Like yeah. his, his wife, wife had just died. They needed s- uh, they needed new yeah. blood. And he needed something to hold on to, to like, yeah. to keep him human in a way. Mm-hmm. <sighs> of sadness, my goodness. Mm. All right, so chapter 59, which is from Grace's point of view, and it is 38 degrees Fahrenheit. A thin layer of snow dusted the ground as Beck walked into the backyard, his shoulders dark and square underneath his sweater. Inside, Isabel and Olivia stood with me by the glass door, ready to help, but I felt like I was alone, watching Beck slowly walk out into his last day as a human. One of his hands held a gob of red raw meat, laced with Benadryl, and the other shook uncontrollably. A dozen yards from the house, Beck halted, dropped the meat to the ground, and then walked several paces towards the wood. For 
For a moment, he stood there, his head cocked in a way that I recognized, listening. What is he doing? Isabel demanded, but I didn't answer. Beck cupped his hands around his mouth, and even inside, I could hear him clearly. Sam! He shouted it again. Sam! I know you're out there. Sam! Sam! Remember who you are? Sam! Shaking Beck kept shouting Sam's name to the empty, frigid woods until he stumbled and caught himself just before falling. I pressed my fingers to my lips as tears ran down my cheeks. Beck shouted Sam's name one more time, and then his shoulders hunched up, buckling and twisting, his scrambling hands and feet scarring the layer of snow around him. His clothing hung on him, vast and tangled, and then he backed out of it, shaking his head. The gray wolf stood in the middle of the yard, looking toward the glass doors, his eyes watching us, watching him. He stepped away from the clothing he would never wear again, and then he froze, turning his head toward the woods. From between the dark black pines, another wolf emerged, head low and cautious, snow dusted over his ruff. His eyes found me behind the glass. Sam. Chapter 60 is from Grace's point of view, and it is 36 degrees Fahrenheit. They get Sam in the SUV, then Grace, Isabel, Olivia, and Jack head for the clinic. They lock Sam in one of the rooms, hoping he would turn, although doubting he actually would. Grace and Isabel inject Jack with the infected blood. Olivia freaked out, deciding it would be better just to take her chances as a wolf than dying from meningitis. They send them to the car before Grace and Isabel go to the exam room. Isabel stops Grace before going in, telling Grace, the chances of him dying are very high. Sam was still a wolf when they went in. Grace thought of him as a human and put her head next to his, and somehow he started to change back. He told them to hurry, and they injected him with the infection before he soon changed back. Grace knew she had killed him, that it was going to kill him because he was no longer human. Okay, I'm going to back up a little bit. Whenever Grace comes into the room with Isabel, Isabel's holding the blood. And so Isabel says, Grace, are we doing this or not? Seriously, like, we need to get going. Mm-hmm. And Grace says, wait a second, I'm going to try something. And she goes over and she's talking to him as if he were still Sam and human. And she is mentally like picturing the woods Mm -hmm. him coming home to her and like every kiss they had every night they had together she's remembering sam uh she's remembering him saving her and that is when he starts to shift back and it says it's written like very poetically at the bottom of the page it says he was just sam i'm like he was just sam now but yeah, they inject the blood and he starts to shift back. Like as he's shifting back and the blood's going in, she's like, yeah, I killed him. Yeah. Because he had said before, like, I probably need to be human to take this possible quote unquote cure. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm a wolf and you're trying to kill the wolf, that ain't going to work out. And she's like, okay, he has that blood in him now and he's a wolf. This is not going to work out. So sad. <laughs> You got to read to keep it together. So chapter 61, we are still in Grace's perspective. These chapters very much go like back and forth. 36 degrees Fahrenheit still. Jack came in to help Grace get Sam, but he'd run away. Grace tried looking for him, but they had to rush because Olivia was about to change. While they're leaving, Grace saw Shelby watching them. Shelby's dead. Shelby's not dead. Which we already kind of knew, but yeah. she's yeah. like, really, right now but we're going to do this? But this is confirmed now. <laughs> and it's kind of like for Grace, like, Sam's a wolf still. Mm-hmm. Shelby's a wolf. Not that anything's going to happen there, but he's with her now. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he's not with her. She's gotten, Shelby has she's gotten, gotten what, what she, she wants. Wanted. Yeah. <gasps> 
All right. Chapter 62. Of course, still in Grace's point of view, and it's 40 degrees Fahrenheit. Olivia suspects that Jack must not be doing well. When they showed up, Jack was indeed dying. So Grace tried to convince Isabel that they needed to take Jack to the hospital, but of course, Isabel knew that it was probably too late for that to even work. So no matter if they took him to the hospital, he was too far gone. Grace thought about somewhere in the woods that Sam was going through this too, that he was probably dying as well. Then Olivia decided, she decided it was time to change into a wolf. Yeah. Yeah, if you'd have read the if you had a read the book calm down Peyton I'm just telling you don't act like it's my fault that you didn't read it and then you're like she decided like I'm some idiot that doesn't know what decided means that's not why I'm saying it like that calm down gosh I'm sorry I'm hurt right now this is emotional for me it has nothing to do with what you (laughs) I'm raw right now from from reading all this and dealing with this emotionally and any you triggered me and I'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) I apologize Uh it doesn't know if she can continue I'm sorry there's a lot of aggression here we need to back down a little bit I'm apologizing if you'll give me two seconds I have to be a mediator come on I apologize it's totally my fault for lashing (laughs) out I hope you'll forgive me what happened in the book she just forgot about this minor detail well her saying that she decided like her making a decision turned into a wolf yes she did it's very different from the other people which is why I say it like that well you think about she Mm -hmm. decided not to take the cure yeah Mm -hmm. she was like I'm good I'm good I'm not gonna do this I'd rather just be a wolf she's never like changed officially I don't think at that point and she's like kind of excited about it yeah we hadn't mentioned this or I didn't put it in the notes. Jack f- bit her while he was human. So she didn't have that. It was a sl- it's a slower thing. Yeah. It's a slower process because he was a human when he bit her. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna start he can part. go somewhere. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Well, he's about to go somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Olivia decided it was time to change into a wolf. The others out there were waiting for her. So then it was just the three of them. And then 15 la- minutes later, Jack ended up dying, leaving Grayson at the ball alone. He's dead. The blood didn't do anything. The blood, like, it, it made him not change. Mm-hmm. So even, like, in the cold, he was not shifting. But it made him get so sick, like... With meningitis. Yeah, everything was deteriorating, and there was just no coming back from it. His fingers and toes were turning Mm -hmm. blue. I mean, it's a horrific way to die. Yeah, and then Isabel has already gone through the loss of him. And now she's got to start that process over again. And she, like, as Jack is dying and Grace is like, why not take him to a hospital? She's like, and tell them what? Like, he's already said to be dead. Yeah. And... (laughs) For real. Like, what story am I going to come up with? Like, he's he's dying either way. Mm-hmm. He can just die here. Yeah. Isabel, I still feel like she's so strong, even, like, just reading the first book. Mm-hmm. I like Isabel. I like Isabel, too. But I love how, like, Olivia just, she's so excited about this new chapter. She, like, tells Grace, like, give this note to my parents. Tell them I've run away. Like, this is my life now. Because she's always, like, the wolves, too. But it's mm-hmm. just different from her than it ever was for Grace. Yeah. Grace was obsessed with this one wolf. Mm-hmm. Olivia's like, werewolves are cool, man. Yeah. <laughs> But she, like, frolics 
and you see like her wolf coat and you're like that's Olivia and uh, Grace said like she memorized Olivia's eyes so that whenever she saw them she would know that that was her friend watching her which she knew what Jack's eyes looked like I'm really curious on why mm-hmm. she knew she's that just knew I- <laughs> Olivia might not be an eye contact person you know I mean yeah. she is described as shy so yeah but chapter 63 is from Grace's perspective and it is 22 degrees Fahrenheit Isabel called Grace and got her out of the house they went to the bookstore Grace picked up a poetry book that Sam talked about and read a poem which is not a Grace thing to do and she realized she could finally understand poetry (laughs) so the poem says in leaving you there aren't many words to untangle it your life fearful and immense and blossoming so that sometimes frustrated and sometimes understanding your life is sometimes a stone in you and then a star I don't understand it but it's beautiful I'm still early book Grace, where I'm like, poetry? Huh? Lost. I would have to really think about it. Yeah. My problem with poetry is that there could be so many different interpretations. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, which one's the right one? You know, I, I got more of that left brain in me. Yeah. Um, I'm like, no, but what's the right answer? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I gotta know. That's why I always read the ends of books. I gotta know the right <laughs> path to be on. Mm-hmm. I gotta know. That's why I always look up my bachelor spoilers. I gotta know who wins, and I gotta know, I figure out how we get there. Fair enough. Chapter 64 is Grace's perspective. It is now 15 degrees Fahrenheit. So it starts off, it wasn't Christmas without my wolf. It was the time of year I always had him, a silent presence lingering in the edge of the woods. So many times I'd stood by my kitchen window, my hand smelling of ginger and nutmeg and pine, and 100 other Christmas smells, and I felt his gaze on me. I look up to see Sam standing at the edge of the woods, golden eyes ready and unblinking. Not this year. So he's not there. And she, I wonder like what's going through her head as far as like, oh, he's not showing up for me anymore. Mm -hmm. Like I lost him. Is it better that like, I don't even see him anymore as a wolf. Mm -hmm. Like I just wonder what's going through her head there. So she ends up going outside to like change a bird feeder or something. Which is super important in 15 degree weather. She (laughs) says, like what? (laughs) She says, I didn't want to go into the backyard with this unmarked snow devoid of Paul paw prints but i didn't want to leave the feeder empty while i was gone either retrieving a bag of bird seed from the kitchen sink i pulled on my coat my hat and my gloves i went to the back door and slid it open the scent of the winter woods hit me hard reminded me fiercely of every christmas that had ever mattered even though i knew i was alone i still shivered Ooh, ooh. you know you like whenever you feel like someone's watching you you might like Shiver a little bit. You get goosebumps. Mm-hmm. So, and this is kind of where like the chapters start going back and forth between mm-hmm. them, and you're like, oh, oh, oh. They're oh, we're all just like gonna, one page too. Yeah, we're just gonna go ahead and say it from now on. It's 15 degrees Fahrenheit. It's 15 degrees Fahrenheit, and we're just gonna read. Yeah, we're gonna tell you who it is, mm-hmm. and then go on. Alright, so we're on chapter 65 and it's from Sans' perspective. I watched her. I was a ghost in the woods, silent, still, cold. I was wintered embodied, the frigid wind given physical form. I stood near the edge of the woods where the trees began to thin and scented the air. Mostly dead smells to find this time of the season. The bite of conifer, the musk of wolf, the sweetness of her, nothing else to smell. She stood in the doorway for the space of several breaths. Her face was turned toward the trees, but I was invisible, intangible, nothing but eyes in the woods. The intermittent breeze carried her scent to me again and again, singing in another language of memories from another form. 
Finally, finally, she stepped onto the deck and pressed the first footprint into the snow of the yard. And I was right here, almost right within reach, but still 1,000 miles away. Grace, every step I took toward the feeder took me closer to the woods. I smelled the crisp leaves of the undergrowth, shallow creeks moving sluggishly beneath a crust of ice, summer lying dormant in unnumbered skeleton trees. Something about the trees reminded me of the wolves howling at night, and that reminded me of the golden wood of my dreams, hidden now under a blanket of snow. I missed the woods so much. I missed him. I turned my back to the trees and set the bag of birdseed on the ground beside me. All I had to do was fill the feeder and go back inside and pack my bags to fly away with Rachel, where I could try to forget every secret that hid inside these winter woods. That trip's still going on. <laughs> yeah. Dang, after all that, and the trip's still happening. <laughs> Wouldn't you want to get out of there? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Last chapter. This is Sam's perspective. I watched her. She hadn't noticed me yet. She was knock, knock, knocking. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Sam. (laughs) She was knock, knock, knocking, eyes off the bird feeder, slowly and automatically following the steps to clean it and open it and fill it and close it and just look at it as if it were the most important thing in the world. I watched her. I waited for her to turn and glimpse my dark form in the woods. She pulled her hat down over her ears, blew out a puff of breath to watch it swirl a cloud in the air. She clapped the snow from her gloves and turned to go. I couldn't hide anymore. I blew out a long breath as well. It was a faint noise, but her head turned immediately toward it. Her eyes found the mist of my breath and then me as I stepped through it slow, cautious, unsure of how she would react. She froze, perfectly still, like a deer. I kept approaching, making hesitant, careful prints in the snow, until I was out of the woods and I was standing right in front of her. She was as silent as I was, and perfectly still. Her lower lip shook. When she blinked, three shining tears left crystal tracks on her cheeks. She could have looked at the tiny miracles in front of her. My feet, my hands, my fingers, the shape of my shoulders beneath my jacket, my human body. But she only stared at my eyes. The wind whipped again through the trees, but I had no force, no power over me. The cold bit at my fingers, but they stayed fingers. Grace, I said very softly. Say something. Sam, she said, and I crushed her to me. (gasps) <gasps> the end <laughs> what an ending y'all i've read this book i've told them this i've read this book three times now <laughs> and i'm sure every single time i've read it this last few chapters in this moment i was just like he's gonna be a wolf she's gonna see him as a wolf they're gonna like you know come together soft pet you know and then i turned the page the other night while reading this <laughs> and i see him say grace say something and i yell (laughs) because i was like i had complete i haven't read this since like 2013 like it's been Mm -hmm. almost 10 years so i was mind blown and i was like this is why i enjoyed this book because i love 
like this. I love it. And the, it just goes back and forth between perspectives. And you're literally thinking, if you're a first-time reader or you're me who doesn't remember, that he's a wolf <laughs> yeah. this whole time yeah. until the last page where he's like, in my human form. It's literally one paragraph. That's it's it. beautiful. It is gorgeous. Maggie, well done. Claps well, for Maggie. All the applause. I wish I knew which button was the applause. We're but. not going to go. On. <laughs> We're not going to figure it out right now. So, yeah. I was so in love with this book as a kid. I was so, I mean, like, this was my favorite book because it was just so good. It was so pure mm-hmm. and there was just love and sweetness and just greatness. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I've, I haven't reread it in 10 years and it hit me all over again on why this was my favorite book for mm-hmm. so long. You know, it's just, it's one of one of my absolute favorite YA books ever. It's definitely one of the, like, purest and sweetest, most wholesome romance, mm-hmm. like, YA romance stories I've ever read. Yeah. It's realistic in the sense of its wholesomeness and, like, you need to aspire to have this. Not have like an infatuation or an obsession with another person. <laughs> yeah. But like to have that open communication to love each other in a way where like you need to talk things out. You need to deal with your trauma out loud. Mm-hmm. But you also don't need to try and fix each other. Yeah. And that's the thing in, in book one at least. They're not trying to fix each other. Mm-mm. Like aside from the cure. But yeah, that's mutually agreed upon. They they want that to happen. Mm-hmm. Grace is not putting him actively trying to get him to go get in a bathtub at any other no. point other she's than not, when she's like, trying you need to, to face save your his fears. Life. I don't know, and I feel like um, their personalities are very realistic. Like yeah. I know people like this. Um, I don't know if I talked about before, like Grace as a character, how like she's kind of Mary Sue to me. Mm-hmm. Even now, rereading it, like. There's not too much there. Mm-hmm. Like, we know she's very analytical. We know she cares a lot. We know, like, she's very independent. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't have a lot of flaws right now. I mean, she is a character who I feel like her personality is, oh, that's Grace. She's just there. Like, she's yeah. someone you can talk to and she might listen. Like, she's mm-hmm. just there. And you have people like that out there who were just there. And that's their personality. And that's awesome. We need people like that. You were just there as a body to listen. Mm-hmm. but who still are capable of love and being loved. Yeah, which I feel like as the books go on, you get more in-depth to Grace's character, yeah. and you're also getting other points of view on Grace's character. Yeah, I actually really like that, how we don't get everything at once. Mm-hmm. We get to like see different facets of her personality as we go on and mm-hmm. see her flaws through other people's points of views. Because right now, Sam is infatuated with her. Mm-hmm. He's in love with her. So he's not going to see all those flaws right now. She hasn't hurt him in any way yet. Mm-hmm. So like we don't see those flaws. And like when we get into, I don't think we mentioned who the per- other perspectives are. And if we haven't, I'm not going to say it right now. You'll have to come for next episode. And I'm excited for it. But with those other two perspectives, you especially a particular one, they pinpoint both Sam and Grace's flaws. Mm -hmm. And they're like, because Grace and Sam are so into each other that flaws aren't flaws to them. They're not annoying to any, to each other, but... Whereas the other perspectives are like, oh my god, I want to kill them, <laughs> you know? Honestly, 
Yeah. No, I I liked how beautifully written this book was. And this type of love story is usually up my alley, but I was not as hyped about this book after finishing it. You didn't finish it. (laughs) I know what happened. She was so unhyped that she didn't finish it. I was like the opposite because like the first half or so, I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, it's cutesy, like blah, blah, blah. But towards the end, you know, like their relationship is one thing. I think it's super cute, super wholesome, whatever. But if there's not drama, usually I'm not as invested. That's just how it is. Yeah. Um, if there's not drama or smut, like. <laughs> or both. Or Preferably both. both. Yeah. Same time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> then I'm not as invested. But there was enough going on within these last few chapters. And, like, the stakes got high enough yeah. where, like, I became a little bit more. Like, I read more at once. I read, like, 100 pages the other day. I read most of this book in one night, so most maybe that's it. why. Yeah. It felt like a chore. Because, you know, I started reading it and I was like, man, I can't put this down. Like, mm-hmm. I, I love it so yeah. much. It's it's an easy read. Well, um, see, I feel like that's how I felt the first time I read it. It's like, I could not yeah. put it down. But this time, I was just like... I mean, it uh, has to do with, like... I'm not saying with you in particular. I'm saying with myself. Different points of your life and, like, what you're more invested in. And mm-hmm. also what kind of stories you're into at the moment. Like, what's your vibe at the moment? Like, if you want to pick up a werewolf wintry romance, mm-hmm. then pick up Shiver. But yeah. if you're not in the mood for that, it's going to be harder to get through. And I mean, and that's the thing. you It was a chore to you. Because you didn't have time to read it beforehand. Mm. So you read all of it in one night. Well, a majority of it in one night. (laughs) And you... She's not going to let that go. I'm not going to let it go. I've had this bitch finished for two months. I red skimmed through the last pages. I'm going to finish the whole series before our first recording. And I was like, you're going to have too much information. Yeah. I do just what I need to do. But see, that's the thing, though. I have to write notes. And albeit they may not be the best notes in the world, if I didn't write, I had to finish it before I started back to college and I have to write yeah. notes. So i that's why I'm over-prepared for these. But yeah, I feel like reading stuff leisurely, depending on the content, is more like you're into it more yeah. than like having to binge it. Unless, like, you're really invested. And this isn't a book where, like, there's something happening every two seconds. You're so invested. It's very leisurely. It's one where you could probably put it down and pick it back up. Mm -hmm. And be like, oh, yeah, where was I? Until, um, unless like, you stop in the middle of a chapter and you're like, whose perspective is this? But and it's until like the last, like... Yeah, those last few chapters you can read, like fly through mm-hmm. because there's a lot happening. Yeah. And, and they're pretty short. I love short chapters. I'm putting that out there. That's one of the reasons this book is easier for me to read because mm-hmm. my attention span. It needs to take a break after a couple chapters. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'll be more invested when we get into Linger, but I just wasn't feeling it for this one. (laughs) Well, I mean, it it was a rush job for you, so I get it. Like, you didn't really have the time to sit down and enjoy it, whereas I was in the mood to read it. Like, that's why I started it was because I was in the mood to read it. I wanted to get done with it to, you know, because I had X amount of time to read it before school started. And between working, school, and other stuff, it just, I had to have it done, so. Were there any, like, 
specific things looking back before that maybe you liked and don't like now about it or maybe you didn't like then and enjoy now like characters or like little moments isabel is definitely one of those characters that i like more now Mm -hmm. i feel like that's the same for me i don't think i liked her the first time we read this book (laughs) i don't remember yeah um, I'm, i'm assuming that just based on her yeah, kind of yeah. character because i really don't remember either because it has been 10 years since i've read this mm-hmm. the whole it's not even necessarily stuff i didn't like it's stuff that didn't occur to me yeah like how neglectful the parents oh, yeah. were or oh yeah we totally skimmed over like, that as i was like oh her parents are never there mm-hmm. cool she can kind of do whatever she wants to she can have this boy over like as a teenager reading that that's what i thought and now i'm like they should have never been parents like i don't know what their deal is Mm -hmm. like i'm still mentally trying to figure out and there's probably no explanation to it Mm -mm. but they just shouldn't have been parents and sam says that at one point like they were two college kids who like just happened to have a baby like yeah (laughs) like a baby fell into their lap like that's how it happened yeah and the cutting thing, or I mean, like that I, stuff. I think I like really, kind of remember that. I remembered it, but it was more like it wasn't as hitting, mm-hmm. hard hitting. And at that time, I knew people that cut, yeah. and so like I didn't think of it yeah. as bad as I do now. And especially imagining your parents doing that, like I knew that. Also, I want to say, for some odd reason, I thought when I read this the first time, and I was like. 11 years old that they stuck him in a bathtub and cut his wrist not to get him to bleed out but to keep him warm because i was a kid and didn't quite it didn't make sense it didn't yeah it didn't make sense (laughs) well i think we skimmed over as early teens over the traumatic parts and was not paying Mm -hmm. attention to that go through our own traumas real quick real quick we were more Um. focused on the romance as you know yeah yeah we do as you do but i think like mine i just didn't understand that that's they were actively trying to get him to Mm -hmm. bleed out and die whereas as an 11 year old reading this and not understanding that it was oh they're trying to make him so he doesn't turn into a wolf that was how i justified it i mean i don't really remember the other two times i read this i just know i've read it two other times but it was like early high school and middle school but like the power of loss within those last few chapters mm-hmm. and just like the effect it has on people and before that knowing that you're going to lose someone and having to personally make that decision for yourself that you're going to have to suffer through heartbreak yeah i was like wow <laughs> and not that i've like been through those experiences personally i'm very fortunate in that way at this point in my life but I think about that kind of stuff and it makes me very sad mm-hmm. to like think about people who have to go through these things and I mean these fictional characters having to go through these things and it's not really something I bothered to think about or was knowledgeable about when I was 15 and 13 reading this. Mm-hmm. So before we wrap up this episode I talked about how I did not look at the end um, shiver for mm-hmm. some reason which if I had it wouldn't have hit as hard, I believe. Yeah. All three times that I've read it. <laughs> I probably looked at the end one of those times, if we're being honest. But that's one of my strange book habits that I do. Mm-hmm. I don't do it as much, like, look at the very end anymore. Just because, like I said, I want to know what's going to happen mm-hmm. so that I can figure out how it gets there. Like, that's how I figure things out. Mm-hmm. I'm always like, okay, give me the math problem. Give me the answer and I'll figure out a way to get there. 
which defeats the purpose of math. But, um, and I, I'm also at the point where, like, I'll get excited. And instead of sitting for an hour reading a book, I'll just flip through and try to find interesting parts. Like, instead You're that of, person. Yes. And I will go, like, 100 pages and have no idea where I left off mm-hmm. actually reading it. I, whenever I first read Divergent, I did that. And I skipped a whole chapter. Mm-hmm. Like my first time reading it, I did not read a chapter of it accidentally. I flipped through it, but I didn't read it. So that's a weird thing I do. Um, I don't also don't use bookmarks or anything to mark my books. So I never know what page I'm on, which is <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> Why would you do that to yourself? I don't know. I, I always tell myself I'll remember things, but I never remember. This is in general. I'm like, you'll remember <laughs> that. And I remember later, oh, you were supposed to remember something. Yeah. What was it's it? It's not in my brain. Um, I try and update it on Goodreads usually, but yeah, half the time that's wrong too. And I'm like, where was I? And I'll have to like find it. And if I haven't picked it up in a while, I'm like, I guess we'll start here. Mm-hmm. Then I'll flip a few pages like reading and be like, I've read this whole chapter before. Mm-hmm. Well, mine is I don't read the last part of the book. I read the last word. Just the I one word. That. My eyes will start scanning. No, I just go, whoop look at it and then turn it back like but that's not like at the beginning i wait until i'm at a part that bores me and then i'll do it because that's just how i am as a person another thing is depending on like if i have an old beat up coffee from thrift books or something Mm -hmm. like that i will write in them if i like them or highlight in them but if it's a nicer copy i won't do that I've done that before, and then I had to buy myself a new copy because I was like, I can't stand this. Why did I write in this book? That's the most Reva thing I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> so we don't dog your pages. Absolutely not. no. Absolutely not. Um, not unless it's a school textbook, and I don't care. <laughs> do y'all prefer hardbacks or paperbacks? Paperback. Paperback. I... Mm-hmm. Aesthetically hardbacks, but if I'm actually reading it, I want it, that bitch to be floppy. Like, <laughs> I think my thing is... I collect leather bounds, and I'll only do that for the ones that I really like or I know I'm going to like it because I just want that look. Yeah. As far as actually reading, if I'm actually reading in a physical book, um, it'll be paperback. But I'll read whatever I can get. So if it's cheaper to get it somewhere hardback, which is typically not the case. Yeah. Nope. But I mean, like if you're at a thrift store or something and you find one, you're I'll, I'll pick it up and read it. Um, do you like reading in public or in private? Either one. I don't yeah, care. Both. I'm not. I I'm, can't read in public. I used to be able to, but I will, and I'll laugh. I get so distracted. I will, and I'll laugh, and probably people probably look at me weirdly, but I don't care. It depends. It. I'm a social person, so if it's like a group of people I want to talk to, then yes. But if it's not, then I'm gonna read my book and let y'all do your thing. Ebooks. How do we feel about those? I read ebooks. Eh. I used to not be able to read books on a screen, but it depends on what kind it is. If it's smut, it's perfectly <laughs> fine. <laughs> like, if it's something that, because I'm not going to remember what, what I read. I'm just not going to. Mm-hmm. If I read it on a screen, it's not going to happen. That's why online classes were like, I took them, but I wouldn't remember a lot of stuff. They were so hard for me. That and like audiobooks, I can't listen to anything super intense. Mm-hmm. Like, or that I have to remember nothing like fantasy, because I'm not going to remember that. I need something super simple. Okay, so audiobooks. I've just started getting into audiobooks, and I only do it with books that, like, because I read classics. Yeah. And sometimes actually reading it isn't 
uh-huh. entertaining, but listening to yeah. it, it's way better. So it just depends on the case. Like I've listened to Heart of Darkness by Joseph Conrad and Oh um, gee, I read that book. And what else have I read on there? I'm trying to read Atlas Shrugged going back and forth between actually reading and listening, which is hard because it's the biggest book ever. No, no, no. It's a hard pass for me on audiobooks. Why? I start thinking about something else in the middle of it, no matter how entertaining I mean, it is. Same. So I That's can't do why it. I, I- listen to like really simple stuff and then half the time i'll like rewind and be like i'm gonna listen to that again mm-hmm. i'm listening to that again i did that with what was it the hating game i'll listen to one scene like four times because i was just so entertained by it <laughs> but that's what i do i like reread stuff too yeah. we kind of talked about rereading too a couple episodes ago like mm-hmm. how likely are you to reread a book I'm not likely anymore to reread a book. There's a couple mm-hmm. that like I've really enjoyed and have read recently, and I'm like, I'm gonna reread this. See, I'm not a rereader. I will, I will find the parts that I like, and I will reread those. Mm-hmm. But as far as sitting down and rereading something, mm-hmm. it just doesn't happen. I'm half and half. Um, I was a hella rereader when we were younger. Oh yeah. And I also did go through, skim through books until I found my favorite mm-hmm. parts, which is how I ended up marking up that one book because I circled all of my favorite <laughs> parts and then wanted to buy a new copy after that. <laughs> what book was it? It was uh, Marked, the first book uh, in the yeah. House of Night series. Yeah, we didn't cover that in our vampire media. No. Well, it could have been. I have like, there's a good chunk of vampire books we didn't talk about that were, yeah, I had, but I decided not to mention those because I picked other things, but. Yeah. What is. Or what do you think was, like, your favorite genre as a teenager to read? Paranormal romance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think mine. That's how we got into Vampire Night in eighth grade, and that was a terrible choice. I read a lot Absolutely of dystopian, horrendous. like, YA dystopian. Yeah. And then I started getting into, like, YA fantasy. But, and Okay, what's your favorite genre now? See, that's the funny thing. With classics and everything, the reason I like what I like is because in ninth grade, we had to read Fahrenheit 451, which is a dystopian. And I've been loving dystopians ever since. And not necessarily YA dystopians, but just dystopians in general. So like Brave New World and stuff like that. I'm not really sure what my favorite genre is because I haven't been able to read a lot of books. We all know what mine is at the moment. (laughs) Yeah. At the mm. moment. At the moment. I, it's just like addictive, like mm-hmm. really simple, short, romantic books and that aren't that great usually, but I'm like, they're easy reads. Yeah. I, like, I'm reading still. I'm sorry. I can't judge you for that because that's why I read shoujo manga. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not hard to digest. It's never like, you know, it's never going to be like controversial in any way. Well, I guess if you base off my... Uh, drama watching over the summer. I guess I'm still kind of into the paranormal, supernatural kind of genre because I went like, mm-hmm. I kind of got back into reading when I got into a discovery of witches, which has mm-hmm. vampires, witches, and demons in it. So, I mean, we're still going with that. And then, then there was like supernatural beings in a bunch of the dramas that I watched recently. So, I guess it's still kind of that genre now. <laughs> Even though I hot second there, just, you know, was not about that. Yeah. Uh, collect books. But besides that, I mean, the, I guess I didn't really mention that. If I read a book and then I get so far into it and then I'm just like kind of done with that, I skip and read the end. Okay. So, 
our next few episodes, we are going to be discussing Linger, which is the second book of the Wolves of Mercy Falls series. So I'm quickly going to read the back of it to kind of set us up for what's going to happen. Do you want, it's three different parts. Do you want us to? Yeah. The Long Game. Once Grace and Sam have found each other, they know they must fight to stay together. For Sam, this means a reckoning with his werewolf past. For Grace, it means facing a future that is less and less certain. The Loss. Into their world comes a new wolf named Cole, whose past is full of hurt and danger. He is wrestling with his own demons, embracing the life of a wolf while denying the ties of being human. The Linger. For Grace, Sam, and Cole, life is a constant struggle between two forces, wolf and human, with love bearing its two sides as well. It is harrowing and euphoric, freeing and entrapping, enticing and alarming. As their world falls apart, love is what lingers. But will it be enough? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> We're going to get that for our soundboard. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Okay, so that wraps up this episode of the Let's Call It Nothing podcast. Please remember to follow us. You can follow us on Instagram at Let's Call It Nothing Pod. Mm-hmm. And we will see you next time with Linger. See you later. Bye.